You know, the last couple of weeks, uh, either I or Justin or Nathan have been talking in this series about rebranding the man, and we've talked about uh, issues uh, such as faithfulness was that was the first week. Just, just man, just being there, always being on the field, always being ready to play, and, and being ready to play at your best. We've talked about serving. Uh, the idea of serving God in such a way that is meaningful, not only uh, for the kingdom, but for others around you, for your family, and for your church. Uh, we talked about the need for community. Justin talked about the need for men to be in community, that we have a tendency, especially spiritually and relationally, uh, to live in isolation from one another, and guys need community. Uh, it's, uh, it's something we desperately need. Not only does it encourage us and inspire us, sometimes it corrects us and uh, brings up us back to the path. We also need maturity. We talked about that. Uh, we need the idea of being a defender. Last week, um, uh, we, we, we journeyed through uh, another idea. And today I want to talk to us, we, we really talked about character last week out of the life of Moses in Hebrew chapter 11. And today I want to talk to us about his protege, Joshua. Uh, Joshua who had been there with him. And I want to, if you want to write this word down, uh, for a man to become the kind of man God wants them to be, we need to live with this word. We need to live with some conviction. We need to live with some conviction. And it's not just a conviction that I'm a sinner. I'm talking about some conviction that, that, um, that I'm going to put my nose uh, to the grindstone. I'm going to work hard, and I'm going to live with conviction. And when things don't always go my way, uh, I, I'm going to be the kind of guy that can be counted on, that can be there. Uh, I don't know if uh, you I remember seeing a number of years ago. Um, I didn't see it in its original form. I saw it reprinted like the one I'm going to show you. I don't know how many of you saw this Peanuts cartoon from years ago. Do we have that, Justin, we can put up there? A Peanuts cartoon, and, and, and it's uh, kind of a, a, funny, uh, uh, a funny cartoon in, in such a way, if you can just read it up there, notice what it says. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's him saying, a pop fly, this is Charlie Brown, he's on the mound, uh, and we got to get on the mound, guys. He says, I got it, it's all mine. He says, I catch, catch it, we'll win our first game of the season. Then the next image, uh, please let me catch it, let me be the hero, please let me catch it, please. Then the next image, on the other hand, do I really deserve to be a hero? Then the next one, the kid who hit it doesn't deserve to be the goat or doesn't want to be a goat. Is baseball really... It's just a game. Is it really all that important? Lots of kids all over the world never had a chance to play baseball. Now, can you just see what's going on in his mind? He's like, ah, I got no conviction. And he goes down. Uh, lots of kids around the world don't get to play at all or have a place to sleep. Boink, the ball hits the ground. Charlie Brown, uh, then uh, Linus comes out and says, Charlie Brown, how could you miss that ball? He says, I prayed myself out of it. <laughs> You know, as we think about our lives, there are a lot of times that we just overthink what we're supposed to be doing for God. You know, the job is, if you're on the mound, you know, throw the ball. If the ball's hit to you, catch it. And uh, it doesn't matter where you've been in life, what journey you've taken, what path you've taken, God's got a plan for you. But if you're gonna be who God wants you to be, you gotta have some conviction. You know, you've got, to, you've got to have some conviction. I've seen it. I love baseball, and I've seen it a number of times. We've all, if we've seen a lot of baseball, how many of us have seen a ball hit in the outfield, and then all of a sudden the center fielder or left fielder kind of went, I thought you got it. 
or just over the, even the infield. How many times have you seen it in the infield, maybe right behind the pitcher's mound is where it happens. You got the pitcher, you got the, got the second baseman shortstop or over by the first baseman pitcher, catcher running over there. And a lot of times that's the way it is, guys. And if we aren't careful, we can stand around looking at each other and get nothing done. And so I want to talk to us today, today about having some conviction in our life. You know, and when we think about as I was prepping for this, and we're going to be in Joshua chapter 1, uh, you know, I just kind of said well, to myself, what, what kind of men have I seen um, over the years? And, um, well, I can see biblical analogies with a lot of them. I, I've seen men over the years, or I've talked with men in that office or somewhere for a cup of coffee or something, uh, who I would categorize as wanderers, uh, spiritual wanderers. Um, and many times these kind of guys can point back to a time in their life where they were close to really making a commitment to follow God. They were close to going in the promised land. They were so close they could see it, they could smell it, and they, could know, they knew exactly what they were supposed to do. A lot of times these kind of wanderers or guys, they can point back to the time they made the wrong decision or walked away. And a lot of times they're like the children of Israel, right? They're so close, they, they even see the grapes, they see the fruit, they know the land. I mean, they've made the journey across the desert. They've seen God bless them in little ways along the way. They're no longer in slavery of sin. They've got faith for salvation. They've been following in obedience a little bit. They've seen God show up. Uh, maybe it wasn't a Red Sea type experience where they walked through on dry ground, but it, or sometimes it was. They, man, they walk out of some addiction or some struggle or some difficult season in their life, and they're right there. And they know all I need to do is take the next step to follow God. And they say no. And guys, this, this is not meant to be a, a, a space of condemnation because I've said no. We've all said that. How many of you, we've all said no to God at some point in our life, Right? But some guys, once they say no, they do like the children of Israel. They wander in the desert for the next 40 years. And guys, if, if, if that's you, I want to invite you to develop a little conviction today and go back to the place. Now, what's interesting is after they spent 40 years in the desert, they came right back to the same place they were before, right? And they still had to make the same decisions and the same enemies were in the land, right? The same reasons they said no the first time are still there. But I'm going to encourage you, make your way back to where God wants you to be, and this time go through and go over and go into the land that God wants you to be in with some conviction. So I think there are some guys that, man, they can look back on a moment and season and time that they made a decision and they wondered for a long time, I think there are other guys that I've ran into, and maybe there's some in this room. Um, perhaps they're, got an officer in the room, be careful. Uh, they're repeat offenders. They just keep doing the same dumb thing over and over and over again. And we come back and we make the same mistake over and over and over again. A guy like this might be like Samson in the Old Testament. 
that may not be, you know, your sin. Samson was always drawn by lust. He was destroying every relationship he had. He was destroying his relationship with his parents. Remember his parents said, don't marry that girl. Uh, he destroyed his relationship with God. Remember, God set him apart as a Nazarite uh, with a vow from birth, and he blew that. And uh, maybe it was um, just even with other, other, other people. And, and so it was a lust of the flesh. I think there are times that in, in your, your particular passion or lust might be different than mine. But my guess is you know what it is. And there are times that there is a certain sin that we keep being drawn back to. And we do it over and over and over again. And it causes us to be unusable by God because we destroy our reputation or we destroy others. And I'm not talking about one failure in your past, guys. I'm talking about the same failure over and over again. We've all had failures in our past, guys. There's not a guy in this room, including the guy that's talking talk to y'all today, that is standing up here saying, man, you know, be like me, don't ever screw up. Man, I'll tell you, you've, you've been around here 25 years this May, I will have been here. There are a lot of times I'm saying, don't be like me, don't screw up, right? And so there are times I think that there are guys that, man, we, we made a decision a long time ago, maybe it was in your teens, your 20s, your 30s, that you knew the promised land of following God was there, and you made a decision you've been wondering ever since. I want to encourage you to come back with some conviction. Maybe there's other guys that, man, you, you are like Samson, and that, it may not be women, it might be something else. It might be the bottle, it might be some other uh, substance, it might be some other struggle, but, man, it's just over and over and over again that we find ourselves doing the same sin over and over again. I'm going to encourage you to come back and come back with some conviction. Say, you know what, God, because of your grace and because of your love, when your son died over 2,000 years ago, he died for my sins. And even that repeat offense is still forgiven. And my future is still ahead of me. I, I, I thought there are some, some guys that, um, you know, we're that I've met that they're just kind of spiritual drifters. They seem to be blown here and blown there and they'll read a new book or they'll get a new mindset or they'll hear a new, you know, a, a new teacher of this or hear a new philosophy of that. And, and what happens is they find themselves double-minded, if you want to put it that way. They're, they're always thinking about something else. Instead of acting on what they know, they're always thinking about something else. And I think there are some times that we can get so caught up in the idea that I need to know it all or I want to know it all or I want to know something else that we find ourselves intellectually just drifting instead of just taking what we know and putting it into practice. And, and maybe there's some here that you're saying, you know, I've never been to seminary. God can't use, use me. I want you to know I've been to seminary and I'm shocked God can use me. Because seminary isn't the answer. Take what you do know and put that into practice. Because chances are most guys in this room, you know enough in your head to lead other people in some way and in some area. And if you don't, we've got classes that can help you get there pretty quickly. And so, guys, if you're here today, and if maybe, maybe you're that wanderer that you can look back on your life, and there was a moment in my life that I almost committed everything. I could see it, I could smell it, I could sense it. Then I want to encourage you, come back. 
if you are uh, a repeat offender, man, and you've got this one specific sin that blows you up every time, man, guys, come back. The grace is still available to you. Maybe there's others in here that, that um, you're that spiritual drifter, that you're always trying to think things from another side and another angle, and what about these people over here? You know, the reality of it is when you stand before God, and when I stand before God, I'm not going to have to give an account for that person that I sometimes think about who's on the other side of the world. Guess who I have to give an account for? Me. Guess who you have to give an account for? You. Don't use some person that you don't even know as an excuse for not being who God wants you to be. And so as we come to Joshua chapter 1, I, I want to encourage you with that idea that 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 I'm going to live with conviction the rest of my life. And conviction doesn't mean perfection. And I want to encourage you to write that down. Guys, if you walk out of here and say, man, I'm going to live and I'm going to succeed according to God's plan, I want you to know, even the story I'm about to tell you, although they win here, look two chapters later, and they fail miserably. And they come back and they confess, and God then gives them a new victory and a fresh victory. And so as we come to Joshua chapter 1, here's, here's Joshua. He's been the protege of Moses. If you missed last week, go online. Uh, Moses' protege, Joshua, has seen Moses' character, seen everything that Moses had done. But because of a sin in Moses' life, God says you're not going into the promised land. So Moses dies. Joshua is at the Jordan River with the children of Israel, needing to cross over into the Promised Land, right? Joshua is there with the people. He's got to do what Moses, his mentor, couldn't do. Lead the children of Israel into the Promised Land, right? I mean, you talk about a daunting task, right? This guy that has raised Joshua up. As a matter of fact, Joshua, if you go back to the Ten Spies, if you hear Sunday morning from Numbers chapter 14 that I read, Joshua was one of the 12 spies that went in 40 years earlier, right? Remember, there were 10 spies that gave a bad report, led the children of Israel to wander in the desert. There were two good spies. In other words, I don't know how you say two good spies, but if they're your spies, they're good spies, right? They're the, the two that gave a good report were Joshua and Caleb, right? Those two guys said, you know what? You're right. There's enemy in the land. They're big. We look like grasshoppers in their eyes, but God, if you remember what he just did to Pharaoh and what he just did to the Egyptian army, if God led us here, God's going to give us the victory, right? Those two guys. So Joshua and Caleb have had to wander in the desert for 40 years because of the sinfulness of other people. And now he's right back here going to lead the children of Israel in to the promised land to be able to do something his mentor Moses couldn't even do. Now let me tell you what, if you're going to do that, you better have some conviction. You better have some conviction. And I'm going to give you a couple of thoughts when you think about if I'm going to journey forward in my life with conviction, I'm going to give you five thoughts on how you can succeed from this point forward. So let me start by just reading Joshua chapter 1. You ready? It says, be strong and very courageous. This is Joshua chapter 1. Pick it up in verse 7. God talking to Joshua, he says, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all that the law my servant Moses gave you. He says, listen, your mentor Moses gave you the law. Now you do what's in it. He says, do not turn from it. This is God speaking. He says, do not turn from it 
to the left or to the right that you may be successful wherever you go. Look at verse 8. He says, keep the book of the law always on your lips and meditate on it day and night. Now notice, keep the book of the law. If you're going to walk forward with conviction, keep the book of the law, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything that is written in it. Then notice what it says, and then you will be prosperous and successful in everything that you do. So I'm going to give you five thoughts from Joshua chapter 1 on moving forward and succeeding with conviction. Here's thought number one. You ready? Just write this down. As you journey forward today, be clear in your direction. Be clear in your direction. It's just that simple. God, I'm going to serve you. For Joshua, it was, I am going to go into the promised land. I'm going to meditate on your law. I'm not going to turn from it to the left or the right. When I do turn from it from the left to right, I'm going to confess, ask forgiveness, and keep going. And so thought number one is be clear in your direction. If you jump back up to verse 1 in Joshua chapter 1, let me, let me show you his direction, and I want to encourage you to get direction. Here's what it says. After the death of Moses, so Moses the mentor is dead, Joshua is alone leading the people, the servant of the Lord. The Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses... Um, Moses' aide basically said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, it, it's good, nice of God to show up in Joshua's life and remind him, hey, dude, this is all on you, all right? Moses is no longer here. You no longer have him to lead you. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, then, you. Everybody say me. God's looking for some me's out there who will show up. Then maybe your mentor, the guy who, uh, you know, some of my fondest memories are my youth pastors. How many of you remember our youth pastors, right? You, you probably remember a youth pastor, an evangelist, or a pastor, or someone, maybe it's your mother or your grandmother, someone who mentored you along the way in the faith, and maybe they're gone. You know, my dad was, was my mentor in faith. I lost him back in, when I was a junior at Baylor. And let me tell you what, the next couple of years, there were a lot of zigging and a lot of zagging in my life. Until I refound my way and refound the path that God wanted me to be. And this happened to be my path. And so I want to encourage you, man. Guys, if your mentor is gone, find a new mentor. But listen to what God says. Now then, you, it is your time. Guys, no one can lead your life like you can. There has to be a you. There has to be a you that is willing to stand up. And say, I am going to take responsibility for my spiritual journey from this point forward. I want you to know, guys, in, in some ways I'll help, Justin will help, Justin will help, other Justins will help too. We've got a lot, we're hiring every Justin that applies at the church. But I want you to know we can't do anything if you're not committed. We can't help you get to where you want to be if there's no commitment in your life. If there's no you and you, you're not going to get there. And so I love what he says, Now then you and then all these people get ready to cross over the Jordan River and into the land that I have given you uh, to the Israelites. He says, I will give you every place where you set foot on, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert uh, of Lebanon, from the great river to the Euphrates, to the Hittite country, uh, to the Mediterranean Sea, and all the way to the, left, to the west. Now, guys, here's where it starts. Get a clear direction. 
that you need to spend some time with God and say, God, what do you want me to do? Amen. That, that's a simple prayer. God, I, I really want you to give me specific. Give me some specifics. What do you want me to do, God? And so if you're going to live with conviction, get clear direction. Some of you are going to be life group teachers, life group directors. Some of you are going to just say, you know what, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a speaker. That's not who I am. But I can serve. I'm going to serve, serve somewhere. I'm going to help someone get where they want to be. That's a clear direction. That's a clear direction. And so get a clear direction. Think about it. Man, the goal is I need to get specific. What are some specific things that I can do to grow in my faith? Maybe it's a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get on a, um, a Bible reading app, or maybe a verse of the day app, or I'm going to look at a devotion of the day. Uh, I'm going to make a commitment to be in worship. I'm going to find a life group. I'm going to do something like that. I need to get specific. What are some things that God wants me to do? What's some territory that God wants me to take back in my life? Maybe, maybe if you're like Samson and there's a secret sin, maybe you need to build some barriers between you and whatever that is so you don't constantly get drawn back to that same sin over and over and over again. So get clear in your direction. If you're going to succeed with conviction from this point on, what's your promised land? Where does God want you to go? Maybe it's in your family, your marriage, your spiritual journey, but I will promise you, there are some spiritual devotions that are part of it. It's going to be some prayer, some Bible reading. It's going to be consistent worship. It's going to be being around other men. It's going to be uh, serving other people. All right? It's going to be serving other people. Now, notice part of, jo uh, part of Joshua's clear conviction was this wasn't just about him, right? I'm going to help. Joshua's call, goal was to help other people get where they wanted to be. And so that's your call as well. I will promise you as a man, you're, you're not only one, God not only wants you to get there, God wants you to help others get there. And that can be in small ways, serving around the church, doing things uh, at the church, whatever it is, or around the community. So be clear in your direction. Here's number two. If you're going to live your life with conviction, is you've got to be confident in your desires. We have to be confident in our desires. And God gives it to him. Look at verse 6. Be confident in your desires. He says, be strong and courageous. These words come up over and over again. Because you will lead these people to inherit the land. Remember, it's, if you're going to live for God with conviction, part of your call, part of my call, is to take other people with you. He says, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to you and your ancestors, I, I will give them. Then notice he says that again in verse 7. This is confidence, right? Verse 6, be strong and courageous. Now look at what he says in verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. But we need some confidence. That, that, that we, we need some confidence that we can go, that we can do this. Right now, if you hadn't been watching, uh, this is NFL Combine Week. And, uh, you know, there are, the, the whole point of the combine rut, what is that, is that NFL teams would be able to evaluate players in person. They've been watching them on tape. They've talked to their coaches. Now they can watch them in person, right? They can see, all right, is this guy as good in person as he is on tape? Because this guy's really good on tape. 
And so the teams want to make sure that, that whatever I draft or whoever I draft, they're as good a value as I thought they were for that spot. That's the whole point of the NFL Combine. Now, for the players at the Combine, some of them go in there not having the kind of tape that they would think, what? That accurately reflects their value. So some guys are gonna go into the combine and they're gonna run, they're gonna lift, they're gonna work out, they're gonna do the interviews, they're gonna do all of those things, what? They're trying to show that I'm better than my tape. Guys, there are some, of the, some guys in this room that if we could put up here on the screen, your spiritual tape, you're better than that. You're better than that. Guys, how, how many of you, and I'm going to raise my hand on this, if, the, if my spiritual tape was put up there, I know I can be better than that. Yeah. I can be better than that. And guys, we need to be confident and courageous that, man, what God has seen from me on tape, I'm better. See, and part of what they do at these combines is they sit down face-to-face -face interviews. Oh, that's good. You ran a 4.35. I've never run a 4.35. Well, it's always taken me at least a 4.35 to get there. But we got tape, guys. But there are times that a guy, he looks okay on tape. His workout was really good, but they interviewed well. They're like, this is a smart dude. And so I don't know where you are, guys, but I want to encourage you to journey forward, be strong and courageous. Let's be better than a tape. 2020 and beyond. Every one of us, let's be better than our tape. Continue reading. He says, be strong and very courageous. Then he says, well, how am I strong and courageous? He says, be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. Why? Why do I want to be strong and courageous? Why do I want to have conviction? Why do I want to be careful to do all the law that my Moses gave to you? Why? So I can be successful wherever I go. How many of you would like to be successful in life? I want you to know that there are times, and, and, it, and it annoys me, that in the church that we almost think success and spirituality don't go hand in hand. Sometimes I've heard people in the church say, well, that guy's so successful, he probably doesn't love God that much. Now, they might not put it in those terms, but you ever had that? Yeah, yeah, he probably compromises it. Let me tell you what, success is written all through God's Word. If you do life God's way, you'll be a success. Now, it, it, for some people, success might be a whole lot of money, and God bless them. Other people, it might just be a fantastic family. Other people, it might be great health. Other people, it might be phenomenal relationships. Other people, it might be great mentoring. You know, success is defined for each of us differently. You know, I didn't choose the occupation that money is the outcome, right? Hopefully, the success of our lives, Justin's lives, Justin's life, our life, is that we get the opportunity to impact people, and that's our success. Your success might be totally different. And whatever, whatever it is that God has called you to do, there is nothing wrong with wanting to be amazingly, wildly successful. But we're going to have to be confident. This is where God has called me. 
This is where God has placed me, and this is where I'm going, and I'm not turning from the left or the right. Yeah, there'll be some ups and downs. There'll be some difficult seasons. But whatever it is, in the midst of this, I'm going to have confidence in my desires. I'm not going to be Charlie Brown talking myself out of catching a ball. I'm going to say, you know what? That's my ball. And it's okay from time to time in the kingdom of God for the kingdom of God to say mine. That's mine. Guys, for your family, you need to be the ones that say mine. I got this one. For those around you, say mine. When we train somebody else, there are times that we look at someone younger than us and we go, this one's yours. And we teach them and we train them up. So here's number three. If you and I are going to live with conviction, we need to be committed to our direction. Once God has given us a direction, we need to be committed to it. There are going to be times, and guys, just write this down. There are, there are times that, uh, man, we're going to be drained. We're going to, have, we're going to have experiences that tend to knock us off course. We're going to have emotions sometimes that, man, I just don't feel like it. Um, there are going to be times in our life that we're going to have excuses beyond belief. I'm so busy at the office, I'm so busy here, I just can't get that done. Listen, we're always going to have those things, and so we got to be committed. There's got to be some commitment. There's got to be a factor of being all in to work it out, to make it happen. Look at what God says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. He says, Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will lead you wherever you go. That's direction. We need to be committed to our direction. That means that we're going to put some sweat equity into the deal. We're going to, even though it's spiritual life, we're going to put some sweat equity in. I'm going to spend my time studying some word, memorizing some scripture, uh, being in a life group, being in a home group, serving somewhere, serving here. Man, and, and, and along with being committed, oftentimes mean that we're going to have to overcome discouragement. We're going to have to overcome some things in our lives. Uh, uh, you know, there are going to be problems that come your way. If some of you walk out of here today and you decide you are totally committed to your walk and to your faith and to God, I will promise you, before noon, you're going to have some problem at the office that's going to distract you. There's going to be some struggle that comes your way. You're going to get a phone call. And problems are going to discourage us. They're going to knock us off of our direction. I think there are others. Sometimes pressure. Man, some of you guys in here, you... You know, you have some amazing amount of pressures in your life. Whether it's health or family or relationships or whether it's jobs or, you know, whatever. You know, don't let pressure knock you off your course. Sometimes people will do it. My guess is there are some people in here, and I can tell you this is where I was. Um, there are some people. They constantly draw you off sides, spiritually. They'll push you in the wrong direction. Don't we all know of people like that, or we can think back of people in our life, that they were constantly drawing us off sides. They were constantly drawn away from the direction I needed to be going. And so we need to make sure that I am clear in my direction. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God be, will be with you wherever you go. Here's number four, you ready? 
This is important, guys. We've got to be corrected by our defeats. We can live with conviction, but sometimes we have to be corrected by our defeats. You ever uh, heard a coach coach a team that didn't make any mistakes? Never happened, right? Had a, had a coach a number of times, and I've used it over the, I don't even know who said it the first, you know, but it was the coach talking to a player that makes a mistake over, hey, just make a different mistake. Know what I'm talking about? Don't do the same thing. I, I, I think back when I, it's still stuck in my mind from at the end of this year, Michael Bennett. How many, many of you remember we got Michael Bennett throughout the year? Shocked me as long as that guy's been in the league. He's lining up offsides. How many of does that still drives me nuts today? I'm like, you've been a defensive end your whole career and you're lining up offsides. And the reality of it, make a different mistake, right? You know, knock the quarterback out. I'll accept that 15 yards, right? Make a different mistake, guys. The reality of it is, some of us have been making the same mistake over and over and over again. Haven't we? And guys, I'm not just talking about y'all. I'm talking about me. Some of the same things I do wrong today I did wrong five years ago. I have to be corrected by my mistakes. Do something different. I, I love this. And look, it's right here. It's right here in the plan. Here it is, verse 7. He says, Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave to you, and do not turn from it to the right or to the left. And when you do, when you do turn from it to the right, uh, or to the left, then confess it, ask God to forgive you, and move on. Man, I, I want you to know the uh, whole idea of uh, there, are, there are times that we will look at someone and think, well, they're successful um, because they don't have any problems or defeats. That's not true. They're probably successful because they learned quickly from their problems and defeats. They were corrected early from their problems and defeats. That they said, you know what, I'm not going to do that again. And guys, if, if we aren't careful, we can make the same mistakes over and over and over again and never be corrected. We have to be teachable. And so part of your five-step plan to success, it, it, it involves mistakes because why does it involve mistakes? We're all going to make them, right? If you go into, into uh, just a few chapters in, they've had this amazing victory over a town uh, called uh, Jericho. And uh, then right after that, they have a massive failure at a little bitty downtown called Ai. Why? Because they made a mistake. They did something. God says, listen, don't save for yourself anything. Don't steal anything. He goes, I want you to dedicate everything from Jericho to the Lord because the Lord is the one that has given you that battle. What happens? A guy named Achan steals something, puts it in his house, hides out. And if, and if, and if you don't know anything, if you, if you think of um, uh, Jericho, the way I look at it, it always seems to come back to sports somehow. They're like the big 6A school, Jericho. 
And they go in there, this little 2A Israelite, they go in there and tear up Jericho. They scoreboard them. Then they turn around and look at this little seven-man or six-man football team called AI. And they say, listen, if we can tear up big six, we can tear up little six. And so they send a couple of guys down there and they get worn out. And actually, if you go read uh, uh, Joshua chapter 7, it says, can you imagine Joshua? Joshua didn't even bother to go down, by the way, in leadership. He says, hey, you guys go down there and take care of AI. I got Jericho. Y'all go take care of AI. Well, he didn't get Jericho either. God got Jericho, right? And so Joshua sends his men down. Joshua standing there by the road, and all of a sudden he sees his men come running back by him. Now that's not good if you're the leader. And they pause and they confess and they cleanse themselves and then they go in. Be corrected by your mistakes. Here's number five, guys, you ready? Be conscious of God's dependability. Be very conscious of God's dependability. Guys, we can depend on God. The big question is, can God depend on us? I'll say that again. We can depend on God. Can God depend on us? God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God is unchanging. I love what Scripture says. God is not a man that he can lie. If God has told you something, he will fulfill that promise. God's dependable. Scripture says several times, he will never leave you, nor will he forsake you. How many of you would think the, the person in your life that won't lie to you is pretty dependable? How many of you think the guy that uh, uh, is always going to be there and will never leave you is pretty dependable? It's God. God. Guys, we need to live with a conscious understanding that God's dependable. We can trust him. And this is what we see. Look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 5. I see it right here. God says, and no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Listen to these words. Just, I'm in verse 5. Just as I was with Moses, I'll be with you. Guys, as you leave here today, I believe to every, every man in this room, God says, just as I was with Moses, just as I was with Joshua, I'll be with you. So when you leave this room, guys, live with conviction, a steadfastness, a willingness to do what needs to be done to see God glorified in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. God, thank you for these guys in the room and for each of us. Uh, we all need to be reminded we need to live with conviction. God, there's not a man here that's perfectly followed your will nor succeeded in the way you want us to succeed, including me. God, this day we make a decision.
to live with a conviction and a steadfastness that we've never lived with before. And God, we're going to live our lives being clear in our direction, being confident in our desires, being committed to your will for our lives, to be corrected by our defeats, Lord, and to be conscious of your dependability. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. You all have a good one. New guys, good having you all here today. Thanks for being here. Good seeing you all. You all have a good one.